Welcome into another edition. This is Cross Functionality. Thank you for joining us. The show, the podcast connecting coaching, baseball, softball, male, female, hosted by former college baseball and softball players. Thank you for joining us today. Episode 61. We're talking strategy for playing the best when it matters the most. In other words, being clutch. It's a fun, fun little topic as the World Series just ended. The baseball season is now complete and we enter into the offseason, not only working on our physical traits, but also hopefully our mental acuity as well for all of our players and coaches out there listening. So thank you again for joining us today, wherever you get your podcast, Apple, Google, Spotify, on YouTube as well, the Softball Strength Academy YouTube page. To watch the show, let me bring in my friend and co-host, softball national champion at the University of Alabama and current day renowned coach, Cassie Riley Bosha. What's going on, Cass? How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, funny you just mentioned mental acuity. I've been trying to hack my concentration grids, <laughs> and I yes. think I just beat my best time. I <laughs> I got okay. it in under five minutes. Okay, five was, minutes. Yeah, it was right. You know what? It was like recently. Or I, don't, I don't remember exactly college. I think I would like average around like six minutes, and it was more of a uh, red flag if I was really high. Like if all of a sudden it took me seven and a half, eight minutes. And again, it's relative. Right, everyone's going to complete it different different ways. I I had people who could get it done in three minutes, no problem. But if they got five minutes, that was their red flag, right? So, mm-hmm. um, anyway, I started listening to. Uh, I tried to do a relaxed eye focus, like I did, like a, I tried to do an eye <laughs> test, mm-hmm. like just like trying to relax my focus, and did listen to Forty Hertz by Binaural Beats. Uh, so like no words, and got my five minutes today. So. Well, I'll test that out again and see if it works. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we did it. We we talked about concentration grid way back when. So go back in the archives and find it somewhere. I don't know. You might have to start from episode one and just go through every episode until you find the segment where we talked about concentration grids. I don't mean to one up you here, but I did last weekend. I uh, walked three miles, my record time. I, I, I feel like Pat Murphy when I walk because Pat walks a lot, Coach <laughs> Murph there in Alabama. I like to walk once a week on Sundays just to kind of get the lactic acid out and, uh, you know, just get the legs moving a little bit. It's nice weather, right? Um, three miles last week. I did it in 46.50. 46 minutes, 50 Ooh, seconds. You were booking it. I was. That's... I was power walking. Wow. Week. And they say, like, if you're just walking on average, about a mile is 20 minutes. So that's impressive. Right. I have, thank you. I have an yeah. app that that helps keep... Um, Helps me, helps me keep pace and time. I I, I, I don't stop either. Like, you know how you go across the crosswalk? I have to cross the street to complete the three miles. And uh, I don't um, I don't usually use the crosswalk if it's you don't a red light. I, I, I strategize. I keep moving and I sort of kind of weave and snake my way through traffic so I don't have to stop. Because I did stop one week and I ended up, I, it cut, it, it, I missed like a minute. Like, it, it cost me like mm-hmm. a minute of time and I'm not doing that again, so. If I'm not here next week, and you don't know, I probably got hit by a car because I'm trying, <laughs> trying to snake through traffic, trying to beat my now 46.50 time. Oh, you know, so I'm just going record, record-breaking week. Right, baby steps. Forty next <laughs> this week is going to be 46, hopefully 40, and then next week when we talk to you again, hopefully I can say, well, this week I'm going for 46.30. So your record five minutes on the concentration grid this morning. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. Four four fifty nine. I got yeah. Wow. Right under. Wow. So what was your record in college when you would do that? I I really do think it was right around six minutes. I don't think I, it, maybe I'd get a little less than six minutes, but I usually didn't deviate that that much. Okay. For some reason today, it just felt like I was, I was booking it. <laughs> now explain, let's, let's, let's go back. Let's explain what are, what do you, what do you use concentration grids for and how can athletes use them as they go into the off season and improve their mental traits? 
Sure. I, I, I think uh, what I use it for is I like to do it before practices, especially if I was, you know, I had a really busy day of classes and, you know, as a student athlete, you have other stuff going on. You might be at a committee, you might have volunteer work, whatever, to just try to reset my focus because it really only takes five to 10 minutes, depending on, on how long. And the other thing too, is you don't have to finish a concentration grid. You can use it to just be like almost a form of meditation. So if you're someone who uh, tries to sit and meditate and feels yourself getting distracted, it's, it is a different type of meditation. Um, in college, I had the physical copy of uh, a concentration grid. So from mm-hmm. zero, zero to 99, and you just go and you try to check off in order. And it's funny because if you are high stressed, you'll feel yourself, you'll feel tension, you'll Feel your, you'll almost feel like you're trying to scan every box. And then what you want to try to work on, or at least what I tried to work on, was getting that happy medium of a relaxed body and a relaxed mind. And then my eyes would start to relax and I start to just get into this a little bit of a flow state um, and trying to do it. So that's what, what I use it for. And then there's always that little bit of internal com- competitiveness too that I'll use it for now. But you know, leading up to a podcast where I'm transitioning off of work and I'm going into something different, I'll try to spend time doing the concentration grid. Or if I maybe I've been working for an hour, I took a 15 minute break and I'm going to sit back down again. Maybe I'll do another concentration grid now. But certainly athletes to just, you know, bring a little more self-awareness to how do you concentrate? Um, what helps? Um, you can test yourself to add music. Let's say, you know, you're playing at a stressful game this weekend. Um add distractions and see if you can still maintain that that soft focus and that relaxed posture um try it on planes try it in public areas and and just start to test yourself and and that'll start to kind of get your just awareness and control of your internal mechanism i guess how you're feeling how you're doing how you're focusing so i know it's long-winded but i think that's that's kind of what i use it for what athletes can use it for now yeah, and they're easy to find too. All you have to do is just Google concentration grid. Oh yeah, right? and that's you know what? Here I'll do it right now for everybody. <laughs> this is more of an audio. There's an online one too. See if you want to just do it on your computer. You can do it on your phone. I have a little harder time. Boxes. There has to be an app. Okay, so here you go. Concentrationgrids.com. There's literally a website for it. There you go. So athletes, you have no excuse not to try the. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and see if it, see if it works. See if it, see if it's something that works for you for sure. Well, you need concentration, uh, stupid segue, to what we're talking about today, episode 61, <laughs> strategies for playing your best when it matters the most. And there's a couple of points here. Um, we're going to get into some of the mental stuff as well. Um, but really, again, a lot of this has to do with just playing and being clutch at the right time. And this, again, pertaining to baseball and softball. But there is a difference between being clutch and being lucky, right? Mm. Clutch is, yeah. obviously, I mean, I don't know how much they those two intertwine with one another i think they are very very separate but there is a huge difference between being actually being clutch a player being clutch and then the player just getting lucky yeah you know what and a lot of what we're going to talk about today too i i ended up uh maybe i already intuitively knew but i at least was able to put words to what i was thinking and feeling um through a book called clutch um and one of the greatest things was there's listen you play long enough you're going to have opportunities where it ends up happening and you get lucky, the true determining factor of clutch is, are you setting yourself up for success in all those moments? It's not always going to happen. You're never going to have this like perfect record of hitting every game winning buzzer beater or hitting every really close putt. But all of a sudden you start to set yourself up for success in those moments. And we'll talk about, you know, ways that 
seems like professional athletes have done it and, and what's worked for us. Um, but you set yourself up for success in those moments. And then all of a sudden you start to string along multiple moments. And that's when you start to get an athlete that's like, well, hey, they're clutch because they show up a majority of the time in those brightest lights, in those biggest moments. Whereas it's not just a one-off thing or a couple times here and there that it happens. Well, you mentioned in there though, setting yourself up for consistent success. I think that's how you get lucky. That's how you become clutch um, because you're setting yourself up, whether it's through power of visualization, whether it's the mental side, staying in the present, staying in the moment, you're setting yourself up for that success, for that luck by being consistent and and understanding what you need to do and, and just living in the present at that moment. Yeah. And I think, you know what, so many times you'll see athletes who are clutch and we've talked, we talked about this a couple episodes ago. Um, Derek Jeter's last at bat at Yankee Stadium. And it almost was surreal to see such a high energy environment and to see him so calm and relaxed. And it was because he had worked so hard to do, you know, practice how he plays, stay as present as possible. What's my job? What's important right now? Right. When? What's important now? Uh, there was a runner on second base and he was trying to hit the ball opposite field. Right. That was that was it. So he comes through in the cl- in the clutch, right? Everyone around him thinks it's coming through the clutch. He's just doing his job. He's doing what he was supposed to. He's doing what he's done every day. So when you start to practice with that intensity and, and you start to put yourself in those situations in your mind, then all of a sudden you're not showing up to really high energy. <laughs> like yeah. your energy is imagining what's going on. You're just showing up to do what, what you have done every day. Um, so it doesn't feel clutch. It doesn't feel like, oh my gosh, all the lights are on me. Oh my gosh, this is such a big moment. It just feels like, oh, this is this is my job. Hit the ball up this field. That's it. Um, and then, you know, afterwards, those emotions can come flooding towards you. But um, I, the, the only other thing I can think of is when I was playing in the national championship game, it was top of the seventh inning, two outs. We're up by one run. National player of the year is up at the plate. And everyone's talking to, to our team after the fact, like, man, how were you feeling in that moment? And it was, well, well, I was feeling like we had to get one out because that's just, she was just the next, next batter, right? It wasn't, it wasn't that big of a deal. We were just so ingrained to be so present of win this pitch, good, now do it again. Win this pitch, good, now do it again. Not, there was no pitch that weighed heavier than another. Yeah. Um, you know, you mentioned something in there as well. Um, when it comes to, to being clutch, you kind of alluded to it. It almost like for like somebody like a Derek Jeter, um, it almost becomes natural to them. It's it's just kind of, they don't look at a situation and say to themselves, I have to be clutch or look at a situation and say, this is a big moment. I need to come through. They're confident enough. Players like him, and I can point out I'm players from every sport, they're confident enough to know that they can come through and that they're living so much in the present that they don't look at it as being clutch. They just look at it as another moment where they have to do their job, albeit maybe a little bit of a different type job, right? And a little bit of tweaking um, when it comes to that job. But they understand that, hey, I got to, this is what I've got to do. And this is, this is it. They don't let that moment really get to them mentally and they don't put too much pressure on themselves. Yeah. I have to imagine like, you know, when you think of the Michael Phelps, the Tiger Woods, the Michael yeah. Jordans, Derek Jeter's, like when you think of those athletes, um, so many of them have talked about either visualizing their success before it happens. Kobe Bryant is another great example too. But yeah. I think what happens is when you can get really deep into that visualization, when you can really 
um, put yourself in those situations again, you're desensitizing yourself to how big that moment is. And so when you're actually under the lights, when it's actually time to make the buzzer beater, beater shot or the the putt to win everything, that it doesn't, you don't get the butterflies, you don't get the increase in, in tightness in your hand and the, and the traps that raise because you've already put yourself in that position. I mean, not just thought about it, like really visualized and put yourself in that situation. And now it's no big deal. I've experienced this a thousand times before. I've succeeded in my head a thousand times before. And now I'm just, I'm doing what I've already thought about doing, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think that that becomes so important. I don't think we, we uh, I don't think we give our body enough credit for the response that happens and how much it can affect our sport. For instance, when you, when you get that adrenaline that starts to pump through your system, the flexors in your body will naturally tighten. So things that are flexors are your fingers and your grip. So that's why your grip will start to tighten even just a little bit. You'll actually like your flexors can be, your pec is a, is a flexor that'll start to round your chest forward a little bit. Um, and now you get these situations where this is not a confident person. First of all, I'm not standing as tall as I can, but anything you have to grip a baseball, a pitcher holding a baseball, a baseball hitter holding a bat, a golfer holding their club, that little bit of tension matters so much. So now we have this huge moment. It's, I haven't worked on my visualization. I haven't, I'm not as present. My, my adrenaline is pumping more than I need it to. And now I'm getting a physiological responses affecting my movement patterns. That is not going to set me up for success, no matter how hard I try in this moment. Yeah. Um, again, be sure to subscribe to the podcast, Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, the Softball Strength Academy YouTube page as well for uh, the video version of the show, video clips, follow us on social media at Jim Tara on both X and Twitter and Instagram <laughs> and um, Coach Cassie RB um, on Twitter, Coach underscore Cassie RB on Instagram talking about the power of visualization. What are some visualization cues that you used in college um, that you've taken into your coaching career to this day that have worked when it comes to athletes being clutch? I think the biggest thing I noticed is uh, we had a team of about anywhere from 18 to 20 mm -hmm. and they would bring in performance psychologists and, and our coaches did such a good job of exposing us to so many different forms of meditation. Um, and what I realized is I had some athletes who couldn't lay there and go through a guided meditation of a sports psychologist walking you onto a field and feeling that. And then you had some athletes who we would watch the World Series. We would watch moments where, um, honestly, like with a heart rate monitor hooked up to us, moments we failed in big, big, big opportunities, even if it was in practice, moments that we didn't do well to get our heart rate up high. And then work on calming it down, putting your head down, and then visualizing it again, visualizing that exact moment happening again, and finding success instead. So that is that is a very direct. That's like a lot of work to get to that those feelings and those emotions. Um, so I think just as a coach, if you're working with athletes, realizing that not everyone is going to visualize the exact same way, you might need to add these prompts, such as videos. You might need to work on them through guided work. Or maybe it's a it's a worksheet where you hand out to your team and you're saying, hey, close your eyes, think about this. Good. You open your eyes again, reset. We're going to think about this moment now. So you're handing them some, some type of guide um, because I think it's very, very difficult. I don't know if it's just the age, if it's just our world in general. I don't even know if it's a, if it's a generational thing, but I think we are all so much more distractible 
now our everyone's attention because of social media or just because of how life works is is so much harder to hold. So, so to sit there and expect an athlete to just, hey, go through five minutes of powerful visualization. Like, yes, they need to practice with it, but it's very, very difficult, I think, for someone to not get frustrated or not um, be able to really hone in on that skill. What were some other ways that you were clutch? What are some things that you did personally in college um, that, or your teammates did that helped them become more clutch? You know, I think uh, there, at least, and and Jim, we were talking about this a little bit before uh, the recording started, but Mm -hmm. it almost seemed like our, the most humble athletes, and that doesn't mean that they were good, but the most humble athletes ended up showing up in the biggest moments. And um, one of my teammates, uh, who's now the assistant coach at Alabama, Kayla Bro, always had a tendency to show up in big, big moments. But And it was funny because when you watched her practice, she said, I always wanted to practice like I was the worst player on the team. And I wanted to play like I was the best player in the country. And it was interesting, like this dichotomy that she had. It was very easy for her to walk on the field as a practice player, thinking she had everything in the world she had to work on. And then very easy for her to walk into a game thinking she, there she was SHIT and no one could touch her. And yeah. it was, it was so it, she had like these two um, alter egos essentially that she would tap into depending on if she was practicing or playing. And I thought that was so fascinating to watch. Um, and she's, she made a 10 year career being an ESPN analyst. And I saw the same kind of alter ego show up where, it was off camera in practice. She was, again, oh my God, I'm a student, I'm a student, there's so much I have to work on. And then all of a sudden, actual, like not even figuratively, literally the bright lights show on, you're on ESPN and it was, boom, she's the best. She, in her head, she was the best reporter that you know that anyone was watching. So it's neat. It was like, a, yeah, it was almost like this, this like alter ego that's, I don't know how else to put it. But you made a great, that was a great, you made a great point there. And and this could be a great mindset for everybody out there. Practice like you're the worst and have the mindset of like, you're the worst player on the team and they can, you're expendable and they can get rid of you tomorrow because that would force you Mm -hmm. to practice correctly and do everything correctly, not just the little things and approach it that way. Yeah. I mean, we used to say too, like, uh, I think we came back from a double header against Tennessee and, and we had just won. We didn't play great. We had just beat them. And I remember showing up at, at, at practice and I was like, if we lost those two games, we would have very different energy right now. We'd be like pissed off. We'd be, we need to practice like we just lost. Not like, oh, okay, we're, we're good. I, we should practice like we suck. <laughs> or yeah. <that> <laughs> yeah. And uh, I don't know, it was just such an interesting mentality. Um, and we started to flip the switch of like, starting to get pissed off that teams could even think they could beat us, you know? And that was so... Yeah, if you can start to adopt that mentality in training, because again, if you're so many kids come to sessions and they're like, well, I'm in a slump, blah, blah, blah. That's why I'm here. And I'm like, okay, cool. Why can't we have this mentality of wanting to get better even when you're playing well? Why do you have to wait till you're in the slump for that to happen? Um, So I do think that um, that mentality surrounding your preparation is huge for you to actually be able to show up in those big moments. So, um, I can relate a little bit. I went to the batting cage the other night. With I want to thank Stan Stockton, Steve, by the way, here in uh, Tampa for the hospitality. And I hit with a couple of uh, pro guys that I'm, I know, friends with, whatever. And I literally went in there with the mindset as a 34-year-old hitting with, you know, kids in their 20s, right? Mid-20s. One kid, I think, was 19, right? 
So he was, I mean, hey, if you don't feel old yet, he wasn't even born in the 90s. You and I had a whole decade to the 90s to ourselves. He wasn't <laughs> even born in the 90s. Um, but these are pro guys, pro players. I literally went in the in there with the mindset of I am the worst one in here. <laughs> so I have nothing to lose. So try to at least just, it made me think, just try not to swing and miss. Try to just hit line drives. And that's what I felt like I did. Um especially when I was hitting off that hack attack machine. But nonetheless, that was my, that was, you You know, yeah, you know what I'm talking about, the mm -hmm. hack attack machine, not easy. Um, but <laughs> that was my mindset going in. I thought I, I did okay. I, I don't know. I, and maybe that mindset's not for everybody, but I think that you were maybe rewording it differently is, is probably better. Um, but at the same time, same token, I think uh, that's important to, sort of made me think, okay, I, I'm, or something along the lines of, I'm the worst player on the field right now. I need to get better at every, or maybe not even that, just that I need to get better at every single thing. I can't, I'm, I may, I'm not just good at hitting. I'm not just good at this. I'm not just bad at this. I need to get better at every single thing. It's very, very important. Yeah, for sure. I mean, even it helps too with, because uh, you're going to, you're going to have coaching guided practice, but then you're going to have your own practice too, that when you hit off a tee and are you, sitting there to just hit off a tee to make you feel good all the time? Or are you working on your weaknesses? Are you, or if you're an athlete who really needs to put more work on defense, are we defaulting to the tee because it's what we like? Or or do we really need to go practice our backhands with tennis balls against the wall? Yeah. I think too, you know, um, I was in the cage the other night and I was, you know, thinking, thinking this too. Um, I'm on front toss flips, I always like uh, away, mid, 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 middle away. And lets me get the lets me you know helps me think you know get let the ball get deep um i'm not trying to pull any cage bombs right i'm just trying to you know hit line drives again 34 years old here whatever i'm you know taking for what it is but i think that sometimes with athletes there needs to so there needs to be that um singular focus on what they're doing in that moment you know with whether they're hitting off the hack attack machine whether they're doing front flips in the cage baseball or softball they need to understand i think um that uh, what they're actually not just going through the motions and, and saying we're working hard here they need to actually stick to a real plan however big however small it might be and and go with that i.e again throw me middle away flip me middle away let me let the ball get deep let me go you know to the opposite corner of the cage or you know to the opposite field in the cage as well and not try to pull the ball and and um you know hit those proverbial cage bombs which everybody likes to do yeah well you know what i think too um so just made me think uh, when you're structuring practices as coaches or a parent, whatever it may be, adding in those stressful situations. So uh, having a round where it's like, hey, we're trying to hit the ball middle. Now we're trying to hit opposite field. Now it's a situation we got to pull, uh, trying to hit a sack fly, whatever it may be. And then last round is, all right, three, two count, bases loaded. Let's go. You know, one pitch, you know, um, or I'm trying to think we had situations where um, you, you had four four people on your your mini team and you were down by one and you had to try to tie the game to the seventh and so first girl gets on you butter you know so you, it's it's trying to add those pressure situations or you have situations where the entire team is on the line on the first baseline and it's hey there's a suicide squeeze right now you have to get this bunt down and if you don't the whole team is sprinting to the outfield wall and back again so now you have this <laughs> added pressure right so again just ways to make practice a little more pressure filled not that it has to be like that all the time you don't want to have a practice where the player is stressed for an hour and a half straight but 
adding moments like that, I think are huge because shoot, you show up in a game, you want to be like, I've already done this in practice. Practice is way harder than the game. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, we'll get to the mental side here. Um, and talking about, you know, staying in the moment, being present. Um, I do wonder, and I'm going to point out A-Rod here um, and, and kind of compare him and, and Derek Jeter for for context purposes. Both great players, certainly, but one was more clutch than the other. I don't think there's any denying that. Um, and their, their personalities were polar opposite. Why do I bring up their personalities? I think where with A-Rod, again, I don't, I think many times he got a bad rap. I think that a lot of times, I don't, the things he said, I don't think he meant um, a certain way, just came out a certain way. Uh, from a PR standpoint, it probably made you cringe, but I don't think he meant to offend anybody. I don't think that he meant to say the things that he did and for people to take it a certain way. Derek Jeter never had a misstep when it came to talking to the media, when it came to saying things in public. Derek Jeter was a lot more clutch than Alex Rodriguez, uh, Sands 2009. I do wonder if there is a correlation. I haven't done any research on this. But I do wonder mentally if there's a correlation to your mental side, things, certain things that you say in public. I don't want to say lack of self-awareness because it's not exactly that, but it is some lack of awareness there and how it translates to you as a player being clutch. And maybe, and you and I talked about it before we started, maybe it's staying in the moment and being present and that's part of the issue. Yeah, it's, it is interesting to think of it. And it again, it might not be able to tell the whole story and I'm sure for each situation it's a little different, but um, actually this book that I had referenced talked an entire chapter um, about A-Rod and how interesting, like here's here's an athlete who could have easily gone down as one of the best baseball players ever, but when people talk about him now, they talk about his missteps or how he didn't come up when he maybe needed to. So the way that this author presented it, and I thought it was pretty interesting, was that in order to be clutch, you have to be as present as possible. And I talked about that a little bit in the beginning where it's it's this pitch is no bigger than any other pitch. This at-bat is no bigger than any other at-bat. I'm just here to do my job. But if we're struggling with being present, then all of a sudden we get into the box when the lights are on and we're like, Ooh, this could solidify me in the Hall of Fame. This could this could really put my mark on things. So, so now you're thinking about the future. You're thinking about what could happen in the future instead of this moment. Um, or maybe you're riddled and uh, by past failures and you can't let go of those. So you get into a big moment and instead of thinking about this pitch, this pitch, this pitch, you're thinking about, well, I struck out last time I popped. I didn't, I didn't come through last time, whatever it may be. So those are all affecting you. If that is the case of someone and we're seeing this happen on the field, it is pretty easy to think that, hey, when he gets into an interview, maybe he's, instead of just focusing on responding, he is focusing on, uh, well, maybe I should be saying this or maybe I, sh- I-, I want to say the right thing because he just might not be present in that interview. So who knows? Maybe that is part of why the words aren't coming out the right way or his performance yeah. is not happening the right way when those those lights are on. Um, but I, I just think, gosh, in all areas of your life, be- practicing being present and not being too distracted and being able to hone in on what you're doing, even a conversation with with someone, you realize how much more intentional you can be about what you say, how you say your body language, than when you have a phone to your side that you're distracted with or you're thinking of something else that you're distracted with. It's very hard for our brain, I think, to do two things at one time. Yeah, I, I always wondered what, what you know, again, preparing for this show, especially though, wondering what it is. Is there, there's got to be some sort of mental connection as to why somebody 
in baseball. And so, and there's plenty of examples of it. And just pointed out A-Rod because he was one of the biggest stars, certainly when, when we were growing up of our generation. And again, I don't want to take that away from him. He should be a Hall of Famer. And there's a reason that he's hit so many home runs that he has. And I'm not saying that he has compiled stats either. There is a big difference. But the, there's something there mentally. There has to be something there mentally yeah. that correlates with why somebody physically cannot come through in the biggest and clutch moments at that time. And some people, by the way, some players have been really, really clutch, and that's it. They've just been clutch in certain moments, the biggest moments when the lights shine brightest, and then other players, and, and then they, at other times, they just, they're not, which is... Who's the St. Louis guy? Um, there's Reese, I'm blanking on his name. There's a St. Louis Cardinal. He was born and raised in St. David was was it him? He just he just de- denied going into the St. Louis Cardinals like yes. Hall of Fame, right? David Freeze. Okay, yeah. that's right. So he came up huge this one World Series. Everyone was talking about him. He crushed it, but he didn't have this like outstanding career. And they they went to offer him, I guess, like a spot in the St. Louis Cardinals Hall of Fame, and he turned it down because he said, you know, listen, uh, I understand I had that one moment, but this should be reserved for Cardinals who have strung together a really impressive career um and i thought that was so interesting and humbling and there it goes again and humbled a really humbled athlete who also came up clutch it is there you know there is some, probably something to it but jim i feel like if people figure out what that is that's going to be the new money ball stat that everyone yeah, gets so recruited so you're saying that you and i are like um billy bean uh, <laughs> paul uh podesta right is that who it was uh, i'm trying to look up uh david free's stats here okay so, uh, again, to just to you for to your point for further context purposes, he's a career two seventy seven hitter, right? So he's a, you know what? Well, just good player, right? Not a Hall of Famer, although hitting career two seventy seven, uh, and as a as a Cardinal, let's see what he hit. I don't know, he hit two eighty six in his five years in St. Louis. I think that maybe he's uh, I maybe he's denying himself a pretty cool Hall of Fame induction there with the Cardinals. I don't understand that. He, had, I mean, he, he hit two eighty six in five in, in five years with St. Louis. That's pretty good. I'm trying to look here postseason wise, can't find it postseason. I have to do it some other time. But um, yeah, you're exactly right though. I mean, two seventy seven career hitter, good player, but when he when the Lights were really the brightest. I mean, he saved the Cardinals season, saved the World Series for them in 2011. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he went on to be the MVP, but um, that was that's a perfect example right there. Someone who is yeah. clutch in really clutch moments, and at other times is probably just a decent, decent and good player. Right? Not not, not the A Rod. <laughs> yeah, not A Rod. Right, right, right. Um, all right. So you know, again, as we wrap up today's episode, episode 61, strategies for playing. The best when it matters the most, again, um, coming through in the clutch, some quick pointers, some quick notes for players out there and how they can prepare to be in the clutch and then come through in the biggest moments. Sure. I'd say first, if you're a reader, I would check out Clutch by Paul Sullivan. That was I, I read that my junior year of college, and I think that really changed uh, my perception of big moments. Um, I think uh, start desensitizing yourself to those moments uh whether that's you try to find a visualization technique that works for you it's going to be like anything it's not going to just you're not going to do it the first time and and feel super comfortable and confident in doing it but the more times you do it the more time you sit outside for it the, the more you figure out what works for you the more powerful that tool becomes for you um 
And then I would start to adopt that uh, staying present in the moment. Um, you know, start challenging yourself uh, in practice to get out of that moment, I guess. So, so mm-hmm. in practice, how can I get challenged enough to uh, start to get distracted or to have tension or to have things that might deter me from the present moment? And then practice bringing yourself back because uh, I say this to my athletes all the time. It's not impressive if I make your practice easy enough for you to stay present the entire time. What I'm trying to do is push you out of the present into an anxious moment, let's say, and the true practice is you pulling yourself back. And the more times you can work on pulling yourself back, then all of a sudden it gets easier and easier and easier and it doesn't take as long and it, and the way for you to do it becomes uh, very clear and easy. So, uh, and maybe, shoot, maybe the last thing too is is the Caleb Rowe technique is start practicing an alter ego of the, being the worst player on the field during practice and then step into your alter ego of, of being the absolute best when it comes to game time. Yeah. I like that. I like, um, I like that approach. Hopefully we'll get to talk to her about that sometime later down the line. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the future of cross functionality next week, episode 62. We're going to talk athletes scouting and preparation. I know you did a lot of that when you were at Alabama, a lot of scouting and a lot of mm-hmm. preparation. I would love to hear. I didn't know I how to next... do it until college. Yeah. So I'm excited. Yeah. <laughs> I want to hear next week these differences between um, baseball, college baseball uh, scouting reports and the ones that you used to get on the softball side, how different they were, Mm. some of the contents when you're preparing for opponents, how you apply that um, to your game and apply that to your approach offensively and the four bats you were going to get, your teammates were going to get. Because I would imagine they're different. Those, those, I mean, the scouting reports today are probably different from the ones we had back then in, you know, whatever, but now in 2023, going into 2024. But um, there are some key differences, I think, on softball scouting reports and, and baseball scouting reports at the collegiate. Probably, yeah. So we'll talk about that next week, episode 62. Do you have anything coming up you want to promote? No, you know what? Actually, I lied. I finally do. Uh, okay. We have. Uh, I've talked about the drill library forever. We have that those five hundred uh, hitting girls, but we also have uh, two mental performance uh, courses that are coming to fruition. So, if you're someone who wants to check out, we have one that's short and sweet, about thirty minutes of content to just kind of take you through some mental performance skills. And then, if you're a team or you're so you're a coach or a parent who's trying to find something to maybe do with their team or uh, I have an eight-hour lecture one, so it's eight nice. one-hour lectures that are based off of the uh, different mental performance. There's uh, different recordings with teams. Um, so if you want to take a really big deep dive, there's there's a mental performance uh, option for either there. <laughs> all right. You can find all that and link in my bio and all that. All right, very good. Be sure to follow us on social media at Jim Tara at Coach Cassie RB on Twitter. And at Coach Cassie underscore RB on Instagram. Thank you very much for joining us. Email us to your questions, Jimbo Podcast 21 at gmail.com, and we will talk to you. Next.